Thanks, Robbie. Thank you so much. Thanks, Robbie, Tara, and um, Ryan for all you do. Thanks to Heather and her team. Tiffany Glenn will be taking over um, Heather's maternity, but we'll get her up in the next couple of weeks to pray. I was going to say lay hands and pray with her. I'm not that sure we're still allowed to do that, but there you go. Um, we are finishing off our little series on the greatest story um, this morning. Um, five weeks we've been on this. This is the last, and we've looked at um, five great topics, um, well, four and another one today. We've looked at the power of the gospel. We unpacked that great verse out of Romans 1:16, where Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. And then we looked at the unshakable confidence that we can have in the gospel. We did highlight the fact that um, Romans 1.1, Paul talks about Paul, a servant of the Lord, to the gospel of God. It is God's gospel. That's what we um, looked at from the very first Sunday. It's not our gospel. It's God's gospel. So whatever we do with it, we dare not mess about with it. It's God's, all right? And we have kind of unshakable confidence in what God has um, provided. And then we looked um, a couple of weeks ago at the great expectations. We looked at the divine exchange, all the things that we get as partakers of this gospel last week. Dave unpacked the highways and byways, looking at everyone is invited to come in um, to this great feast. And then um, today we're going to finish looking at divine invitation, and we'll finish with communion um, that you can join in with us. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 4. It'll be on the screen. I'm reading it from the NIV version. Um, I read ESV mostly at home, but the ESV is quite clunky for the screen, I think, for public. So the NIV is a little bit better at that, and that's why I use it mostly on the screen. But Luke 4, um, verses 16 to 22, talking about Jesus, says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue as was his custom. I preached in that little line, you will know, as was his custom. It was Jesus's custom to go to church on Sunday. He had it in his Darien pen. It wasn't in pencil. It wasn't something that could be rubbed out or changed. It was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Do you see that? He didn't pick it. He didn't pick where he was going to read. He, this was handed to him. This was divine, um, the divine hand of God. And uh, on rolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. You imagine, this is an incredible scene. And he began by saying to them, Today, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. <laughs> and then somebody said, Is that not Joseph's son? <laughs> is, that not, is that not the... the guy that made the wardrobe for us last week. This, this, you can see the doubters slip in all, all, right away. Um, so here's the, here's the whole thing. 
Jesus came for this reason. He, he said God had anointed him to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the prisoner, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here's the thing. He came to release. And if he came to release, it means something was bound. All right, you can't release something that's not bound. And we will never appreciate our freedom until we consider the reality and truth of our bondage. That's really important, all right? He didn't come to set free people free. He came to set bound people free, all right? It's not the the well who need a doctor. It's the sick who need a doctor. And the enemy's greatest strategy is to make bound people think they're free people. That's what the enemy loves to do. So they never need a savior. And the Bible tells us this clearly in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It tells us that the God of this world has blinded the minds. He's subtle. He's a liar from the beginning. He's blinded the minds of the believers so that they cannot see uh, the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So this is his strategy. His strategy is to make bound people think they're free people and blind their minds to the gospel of God. I love how God comes into this. So to have a conversation about freedom, we need to have conversation about chains. Sometimes we talk about the keys before we actually talk about the chains. But if there's keys, there's got to be locks that need to be unlocked. And if God has got the keys of the kingdom, Jesus took them back at Calvary. We'll see this in a moment. There are some of our chains that are they're glaringly obvious. Some of our chains are there, but there's some we don't see. We've all got blind spots. And Jesus wants to break them all this morning. And God's gospel is all about freedom. And let me explain. I'm a Formula One fan. Most of you know that. And um, it's on today as well. So uh, I just thought I'd drop that in. And uh, I've loved watching it for years and for 20 plus years, and probably more, 30 years, I've loved Formula One. Um, I like anything that really you put petrol or fuel in. But um, that, that's just me. I like that sort of stuff. And um, I love watching it. And last year in Turkey, on the 15th of November last year, Lewis Hamilton won his seventh world title. Now, all of his poles and all of his races and all of his podiums surpass anybody ever before him, all right? Now, for you, it might be football. Um, it might be something else. It might be a favorite team. And there's just a match. There's something that you like to watch over again. So for me, Turkey, 15th of November, I have it in record. And I know that's really sick, but every now and again, I watch it again. Just that moment where he comes over the line, knowing he is the world champion for the seventh time, is the most, I just, something does something in me. Well, you see, this is what, this is what it does. When you, you, when, you, when you replay it, what you're doing is you're replaying the victory over and over again. That's what God's gospel does. Every time we read the Bible, we, we, it's, like hitting, it's like hitting rewind and watching it again. This whole thing that, that we rewind the tape and we watch the game again and, and, and the win was... I'm giving away my age when I say we rewind the tape. But um, uh, the win was so good that we celebrated. We've celebrated now for 2,000 years. This was an incredible win. That wasn't an easy match. He had a difficult opponent called Satan who... As it played out originally, it looked like it could go either way. It looked like that. Jesus turned up scoring goals quickly on planet Earth. He healed a sick girl. He restored sight to the blind. He even raised a young girl from the dead, and she sat up and ate a burger. 
Pretty incredible. And then he cried, it is finished. And the devil thought he had him. The devil thought, I'm sure hell started to celebrate. Paul, actually, when he's writing to the church at Corinth, he said, if the princes of this world had have known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I often say, if the princes of this world would have known, they'd have leveled every tree in Palestine. They wouldn't have found one to hang him on. All right? But imagine if you were on the team, and during halftime, the manager said, guys, it's finished. Imagine that happened. You'd be wondering what on earth he was talking about. You'd be saying, but, and, and while it is finished was one of the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross, it wasn't his seventh. It was his sixth. His seventh was, into your hands I commend my spirit. So he said it is finished, but I can guarantee you something. He didn't say it is over. He just said it is finished. He had finished the job that God had sent him to do. He, 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 was, he just dealt with the sin of the world, and he rose on resurrection morning to prove that all was settled and declared April Fool to the enemy. That's what Jesus is. The gospel makes freedom possible because now Jesus has got the, che- the keys. He has got the keys. And, and so for Jesus to make a declaration like this, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And for Jesus to make a statement like that, he had to have the keys. And Revelation tells us this, that I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And guess what? The devil doesn't even have the keys of his own front door. I have taken back the keys of death and hell. I am, the, I am now the owner of those keys again. And Jesus said, I've come to set you free. I have the keys to do that. But for freedom to be appropriated, um, there are some things you need to do. And what I want to do really quickly, just to look at three things, three laws that I think you need to observe. All right? The first law is the law of declaration. If you're going to have freedom... There needs to be some kind of declaration in your life. Now, in America, they celebrate a day called Juneteenth. Juneteenth. And it's the 19th of June. And they call that Independence Day. And they celebrate Independence Day. But here's the truth. Um, the truth is, it was January the 1st, 1883, that the Declaration of Emancipation for the Freedom of Slaves were made. But it took two and a half years for it to reach Texas. So it was June the 19th, 1885, before the black slaves in Texas got freed. So they were free for two and a half years. They had been free for two and a half years, but just didn't know it. And and let me tell you that there was a declaration of freedom proclaimed over your life 2,000 years ago, and it would be a shame if you were still sitting in chains. It would be a shame if you were still sitting bound because Jesus set you free 2,000 years ago. So the law of declaration is really important. Understanding freedom is yours. The, the law of first move. I love this one. I, this one's very special to me because I grew up in a sort of a preacher's home. Nori and Alan were my two oldest brothers. I'm the youngest of seven. And they were preachers when I was a boy. And I always sort of aspired 
Um, Nori's 11 years older than me. Alan's about 10 years older than me. And I was, when I was 10 and 11, they were in their early 20s and they were preaching. I said, I want to do that. I want to do that. I, I'm going to do it. When I'm their age, I'm going to do it. But then when I was 20, they were in their 30s. And I was thinking, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And you think it's just going to happen, you see. But you see, the Bible's full of this. You have one job. And you need to think about the statements in the Bible. Listen to this. Give and you will receive. You see the order? Seek, and you shall find. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Knock, and the door will be opened. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Here's the deal this morning. Jesus has set the board in place, and it's your move. And some of us are so busy praying, Lord, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you come and do this? Would you set me free from this? And the Lord said, it's all done. It's your move. Your move. You see, if you had one job to do, what is your chain? Because until you declare it and make your move towards Jesus, it just remains on you. You have to make a move. Now, I, uh, I, I Googled a little bit yesterday at some of the, if you had one job, if you had one job. Here's funny, right? One tablet by mouth into the right eye. If you had one job to do, right? What about this one? Now, which toilet do you go to there? All right, a bit of a... If you had one job, if these people just had one job to do, right? How about that? That's definitely somewhere in Northern Ireland. Um, but got to be. Um, what about this one? That is a superstore if ever you've seen one. Open nine days a week. And then we've got this one. God help the person coming down that. Um... That's going to be fun. Coming down it would be fun, but getting them up it would be fun as well. And, and, and so Scripture paints this picture. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I showed you, and I love that one too. What about that? hundred spoons. You get it? Um, um, I, I painted a, a, a picture of you, of um, that, that incredible old painting that William, um, William Holman Hunt painted of Jesus standing at the door of, of your heart. Remember I showed you, it was called The Light of the World. He painted it in 1853. He said it was more than a painting. It was a prompting or divine command. And he done it around the Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So it's your move. It's your move. It's your move. If you're not free this morning, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then it's your move. If you're listening online this morning, it's your move. If you're here and you're a believer and you're still in bondage and you're still in chains, it's your move. You've got to make a declaration as to what they are and, and make the, the, that, that move. Make it your job to move. I, I love this. If, if, you know, if someone was, Jesus is standing at the door here looking in, but the problem is some of us are still in the throne of our own life and we're afraid to let him onto it. And here's, here's the deal. Whenever um, we started church back in 1996, it started in the living room of our home. And so on Saturday night, uh, like if someone's calling at your home, you like to know, don't you? You know, you know, you like to clean up and prepare. I'm sure you're all like that, all right? And um, when all my crew were young and we were church planting, we would say on Saturday evening, right, guys, we need a clean house. And they would say, oh, I, this is for people coming to church in the morning. And we would say, yeah, it is, but you still need to lift your dirty clothes off the floor, okay? Um, and Because we like to be prepared. We don't like people seeing our mess. And I think that's the way we are with God. We try to tidy up our act. We try to clean our house before we invite him over. 
Look, folks, it will never work. It was never meant to be that way because God says this, that God demonstrated his love to us while we were still sinners, while we were still in our broken mess, while we were still in our brokenness. He declared his love to us. And people say, when I get sorted out, when I'm ready, when I get myself together, newsflash, you can't get yourself together. If you could, you would have done it long ago. And you're probably like me. You're still broken inside. Name your chain. Jesus thrives in mess. He's good at that because he paid the price for it. Now, freedom is declaration. Freedom is first move. Um, I think sometimes we misunderstand the law of invitation. Uh, we'll have time to read this, but in the passage of um, John 5, there's a great story of a man who was lame. If you're watching The Chosen at the moment, it's the last episode where the man lay at the pool for 38 years. And um, he's now at the pool. Now, there's a rumor that this pool has healing powers. And, and there's a sort of an urban legend that an angel came and troubled the waters. And, and each year, and the first one in got healed. And here's what Jesus says to this man who's been trying to get well for 38 years. He says, do you want to get well? Like, what are you thinking, Jesus? What are you thinking about? He knows that the most dangerous thing about these chains is that after years of wearing them, we get used to them. That's what he knows. And we forget how heavy they really are. And some of us even try to glamorize them. And we say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And I'm okay with that. And we learn how to live in our bondage. We grow comfortable with our chains. Or as suppose we could say, we settle. One of the great old movies, Shawshank Redemption. Some of you will remember the line in it by Old Red, who had done life imprisonment. And he said this. He says, these walls are funny. He says, first you hate them. Then you get used to them. Enough time passes. You get so you depend on them. And you can't live without them. Here's the thing about having really low expectations on your life. It's actually really easy to meet them. I'll say that again. The thing about having really low expectations on your life is that it's really easy to meet them. And it, it's easy to get lazy. It's easy to get stuck in the cycle. It's easy to get used to sin. But here's the good news. Because Jesus lived, died, rose again, ascended to heaven. He conquered it all. And now listen to this. And listen to the man's response in John 5. He said, every time I try to get there, somebody beats me in. You can actually hear the whine in his voice, can't you? Every time I try to get somebody. All right. It's like, I've tried for years. It's not that I don't want it. But somebody always gets to before me. I don't really want to live like this. Every time I try to stop drinking. Every time I try to stop looking at porn. Every time I try to fill, live a life of fulfillment. Some, just something gets in my way. We all do it, don't we? We all play the game. People say, how are you doing? Ever notice how when you're walking in the park, somebody says, how are you doing? They just walk on. They're not, really, they're not really interested in how you're doing. That's why I love this church. That's why I love what the guys do with the young people and the young adults. That's what I love about Nicola and her team. That's what I love about Lynx and Laura and her team, reaching out to people who need a fresh touch of the Savior, who are willing to listen when people talk. Can I say this about Jesus and about invitation? Amen, Colette. Can I say this about invitation? This is not what you think. If you want Jesus to exercise his keys this morning that he brought back with the gospel, you need to invite him into your chains. That's how invitation works. 
response. That's why response is so. If it's salvation, you just need to repent and believe. That's what Jesus said, what John the Baptist said. If they said it, it's good enough for me. And if it's addiction, you just need to, you need, you need to make a move. You need to admit what it is. You just need to say, I'm struggling. You need to say, Phil, I've been living with these chains. I need God in my desires. I'm fighting with God. Listen, I've done this very thing. And you need to stop fighting with God. He's too big for you. You don't fight this God. You follow this God. You don't run from this God. You run to this this God. That's who he is. God has been trying for years to come into the light, to get you to come into the light. And this morning, this morning, I realized that maybe you're saying, for the first time, I need to invite Jesus into my dark places. I need to invite, because what we do is we try to hide it from him. You can't hide it from him. He knows it all. And you need to just say this morning, come into my addictions, come into my heart, come into my life. You see, the devil's a liar. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, we need to draw this to a conclusion. We come to God broken. Here's the deal. We come to God broken. I love this picture. I saw it early in the week. Me thinking I'm broken. God's showing me I'm not. We come to God with our broken pieces, and, and we realize that God actually doesn't write people off. He doesn't say you're a worthless sinner and you're not worthy of my love. Rather, into the bruisedness, into the smolderingness, to a life hanging in the balance comes this wonderful assurance that God reaches out to damaged goods and offers hope. That's the calling of Jesus. And when we come to remember the Lord, and that's what we're going to do, Dave's going to come and we're going to finish with a song and have communion together. But Let me say this to you. Let me say that there's something so powerful about communion. Whenever we take communion, and that's why I wanted to leave it to the end because I'd love us to do it as a response. Now, if you haven't anything with you, no problem. If you are at home and watching from home, grab a piece of juice and a bit of bread and let's do it together. But if you haven't anything with you here in the room, just do it in your heart because there's something about this every time we commune because communion is an act that symbolizes the redemption of God. All right, throughout the whole of the God story, making all things new, even you and even me. That's the beautiful thing. Communion is a place where we in simplicity, intimately remember and ponder Jesus, who he is, what he has done. That's what communion is. There's healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional healing through the sincere appropriation of the communion feast. By his stripes, we are healed. The table is a leveler. This is where social status goes out the window, all right? It's a, we bow, all our positions and labels bow at the foot of the cross when we realize our oneness in Christ. Communion is a reminder of the kind of Jesus-shaped life we are called to live as his followers. As we take the bread and the cup this morning, we are taken, blessed, broken, and given. And so in a way, we, 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 we actually, in essence, we become like Jesus in his death and resurrection. And here's the deal. I love this picture. Sorry, I grabbed this picture and I thought it was cracker. The Lord didn't check who was inside the house in Passover. He didn't check to see who was inside the house. He just looked at the blood. Because here's the deal. None of us are worthy. It's only by his blood we're made fit to enter into his presence and become his sons and his daughters. And that's why he makes the bold invitation in Matthew 11, come unto me, 
you're heavy laden today, if you're burdened, if sin is just a, a curse and weighing you down and you just can't break that chain, bring it, bring it to the cross this morning. Bring it to the cross because it's only by, this is what grace is all about. It's only by grace that we can enter. Only by grace that we can come. Not by our human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. This is what grace is about. See, God isn't the God of the closed fist. We, 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 many of us grew up thinking that. We grew up thinking God was the schoolmaster God. He kept the rules and he loved you more. You broke the rules and you felt you needed to run from him. He's not, not that, that's just, that's false thinking. He's not the God of the closed fist. He's the God of the open hands. He's the God of the open hands this morning. He's the God who's saying, come to me, come to me. When I see the blood, I will pass over as the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, but applied to your life today. Have you applied it to your life? Have you said, Father, I love you and I repent of my sin and I accept your Son, Jesus, as my Savior? Maybe this morning you're saying, God, I've done that years ago, but I'm just struggling with this particular thing. It just seems to be a chain that comes up and I, I, every morning I wake, I feel, I feel like, oh, I did it again, God, and I feel like, I just feel like I'm not worthy to come into your presence. God says, come, come, bring your chain. I've got the key. I've got the key. I bought, I, I won the key back at Calvary. I've had it for 2,000 years. I can unlock that chain and let you free this morning. Let's worship him. Dave's going to do this, and then I'll come back and pray. going to worship this beautiful song, and let's um, commune together and remember the Lord. Thanks, Dave.